HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. I'm Lou Bank. I am Chad Bidivan. And I'm Dan Saladino. And this is Agave Road Trip, the currently acclaimed award-winning podcast that helps Green Gags bartenders better understand agave, agave spirits, and rural Mexico. And today we are on the road. So finally... We, we kidnapped Dan Saladino. We stole him from the BBC. Rescue me, please. <laughs> He's just eating beautiful breakfast and drinking mezcal. Poor man. We are dragging Dan Saladino across Oaxaca and Puebla to show him what agave looks like, agave and agave spirits of rural Mexico, look like to us. And for 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 me, at least, like the reasoning behind this is I, I read Dan's book, Eating to Extinction. Very recommended, very recommended. Highly recommended. Available in Amazon, Mexico, US, UK, whatever you are. <laughs> Maybe not in Spanish. And all good bookstores. Wait, is it in Spanish? And the good bookstores. No, it's in English, but I, I was able to allocate it here in Mexico. Okay, there you go. Um, and, and it really gave me insights into what we see in a different way, right? Like, it, it in essence, gave me this, I thought I had a 30,000-foot view, I had like a 3,000-foot view. And it, it showed me that so much of what we see in rural Mexico, Dan's been seeing all over the world in different ways through food and drink. Okay. <laughs> Do you have a question? Is that a cue? From, uh, I, I have, Lou. And uh, and I now, because I'm so lucky to be with you on this road trip uh, through Oaxaca, I can see it and I can taste it. And in Eating to Extinction, what really uh, engaged me with the stories in uh, this catalogue of endangered foods, which is called The Ark of Taste, was that a food or a drink could capture history, culture, geography, it's anthropology, it's science, it's politics, um, it's and beautiful stories. And that's exactly what I've seen in my time so far in Oaxaca. I, I've, I'm seeing tradition, I'm seeing history, I'm seeing ingenious uh, technology 
old traditional technology and we've been tasting some wonderful drinks it's all so connected and all in a wonderful mind-blowing landscape as well so i can see the connection now between uh agave spirits the making of and all of those other stories in eating to extinction Awesome. So I want to talk very specifically about one of those pieces of technology that we saw yesterday visiting Lalo Anales, Eduardo Anales from La Locura um, in Santa Catarina, Minas. I want to talk very specifically about those, those water capture systems, those reservoirs uh, that he's building. Uh, I mean, honestly, for me, yesterday was amazing because we had gone to the one water reservoir that we always go because it's close to his house. We're always slightly drunk, so it's close, it's convenient. But this time he took us to many others and I just didn't know the scale at which he was working. He's literally making all these sponges of water all around Santa Catarina because he claims he wants to bring the forest back. The forest that once was available there that was chopped down for many reasons that we might not have the time to discuss. He wants to bring it down and the first thing to do that is to have water, right? So I just, like, honestly, I did not. Oh Lord, I just, uh, I just lost my microphone. Okay, got it. <laughs> what, what, what really interested me about Lalo's story? Uh, you explained, you, you he translated the story he was telling, and at some point he was a local representative, and yes. he was very keen to understand why were people leaving the community, mm. and. He did a survey and he realized that one of the main reasons why people were leaving was lack of water. And obviously, if there's lack of water, the community uh, starts to decline and all kinds of things can be lost, including agave, including other forms of farming, including the distillation and the drinks making. And that would be a tragedy. So to keep the community viable, you have to save the water. And that's something that you uh, were keen that we saw, Lou. Yeah, so it's remarkable to me how Lalo not only does all of this, but then how he, he communicates it slowly, particularly for a bad student like me, slowly in a way that, that brings more meaning to it. Like there's so much going on in Mexico around these spirits that I think it's easy to get buried in the concepts, which causes you to lose the concepts. Well. Yeah, and I think like probably the most shocking piece of news that we received yesterday is that the nursery in which he's in his really famous <laughs> nursery actually, where he has been trying to restore some of the species of agave that were being lost in the community, now he's starting to plant trees, like the one that we friend have in front of us that just fell on the road. <laughs> I'm gonna probably take. I think, I think I think this might be where we break uh, and we go uh, down the street and up your block for uh, Larry the poet while we help these guys clear the road. Oh yeah, are we gonna do we that? Well, I, I don't oh. see any option. We I have we trees have in front of us blocking the road. Yeah, and there's totally. uh, <laughs> a couple of guys and a bike trying to get through, so we need to help. Okay, let's do that. I need another one to use my muscles after breakfast, but... I am no rider of your wild palominos like you, loping across the burning grass. My seed's a stranger, my voice infidel, and my hands vagrants. And I have only this language, no translation, to sway you like the wind in the live oaks and shake out hope. If I can't mean, I can music 
Oh, California, I love your daughter, and my country is her eyes at the last dance. My faith is that first kiss, my wealth the round hills of her, and the flat hollows the circles of shade. And I recant, I ride green horses with white manes flying. And as I make land, I say a prayer for one more day in her light. Thank you for that intermission, Larry Beckett, the poet. And my hands smell amazing, by the way. <laughs> Oof, we were just moving this pine tree in the middle of the road. And yeah, it was well, we weren't moving work. it into the middle of the road. We were moving it out of the road well, with the men who were doing the really hard work. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Lou was getting really dangerously close to the machetes. I had to pull him away, <laughs> save his life a few times. He's not grateful enough, but yeah. But, but you know, it thinks it makes me think about uh, the the reason that Lalo is making those water reservoirs, which is for more trees, right? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes, and, and that was uh, extremely interesting when we went to his nursery this time because he's not just planting any trees, right? Because we've heard about horror stories of reforestation a thousand times. Somebody that's not from a community gets there, wants to plant a bunch of trees, turns out the trees will not survive and they're useless from the people there. And what was that tree you showed me inside the nursery, Chava? That's Aguisache. So Aguisache is a very characteristic uh, tree from this, well, I will say that it grows uh, very much in many of the areas of Mexico that I visited, probably from the center to the south, and it's a very resilient guy. It, can, it grows fairly fast, doesn't need a lot of water, and can survive some of the extreme conditions that climate change are bringing into Santa Catarina Minas. And most importantly, the wood can be used for cooking agave and giving amazing flavors ah, to it. It looks so spectacular, beautiful, because it had this uh, trunk. That was... Oh, no, you're talking about the pochote. Ah, it's that's the, the one I had in mind. Yeah, 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 no, I showed you the <laughs> punk tree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's the, the pochote. It's, I think it's even like connected to some ceremonial stuff. And it was, yeah, like, I mean, could you describe it? Because it was, it was gorgeous. Well, I think your description was the best because you <laughs> said it was like some kind of uh, heavy metal jewelry, you know, a, 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 a trunk that was just surround, uh, covered in these thorns, these spiky, um, yeah, structures. Uh, but at the same time, even though I guess it's designed or evolved to be in the desert conditions or arid conditions and protecting itself from all kinds of predators, it was still beautiful, spectacular. Yes. It's, if, if, if I had enough money, I would only be surrounded by pochotes. Actually, one of my most, most precious possessions, uh, those guys, when they go to seed, they make some sort of like very soft cotton that almost feels like silk. And I was once able to buy a pillow that was 100% just made out of that fiber. And it is breathtaking. Yeah. And to think that, I guess, most of the, uh, the landscape around us when we were, when we were at the distillery, uh, it was pretty barren. I mean, it, we are, we've been surrounded on this trip by mountains, high altitude forest, thick with trees. And in that part of Oaxaca where we were, there wasn't much left. No, no, and, and I think that that is why these projects that Lalo is doing are so critical for the survival of that area. 
And I love that we're doing the whole episode. Lou has not talked because we are very lost. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's kind of lost. It's not very when, when lost. When you started to feel, to ah, follow this that. Is, this is good, right? The turn makes it. The turn makes it. So, so I'm curious what that tree is, like, what the tree is used for. The pochote? Yeah. Honestly, I mean, it's beautiful. It looks like, you know, a, the, the stem of a rose blown up a million times. Mm. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. I, I'm not sure which are the services that it gives to the ecosystem. The one thing that I know, and that's why a lot of people in Oaxaca, including myself, are obsessed with it, is because you remember Francisco Toledo. The, I mean, he passed away, I believe, uh, this year. And he loved those trees, and he will plant them in a lot of the projects that he will do. So I know that if there's a pochote, it's very likely that there's good art around it. <laughs> well, which again, I think speaks to that mindset of not what's most efficient, only grow the trees that you absolutely need, right? But the trees that maybe add something uh, that's a little more amorphous to what you're doing. And what was also really impressive is Lalo had such an intimate connection with the land around him. Mm where the agave was growing, obviously the, the home of the, the still as well, but such an intimate knowledge that he knew the movement of the water oh, through the landscape. So he was in the, in the process of creating a structure that, that would collect the water. He knew exactly where the water would run and where, where you could collect it. Wasn't that amazing? Like, honestly, I, I, I mean, he showed us a bunch of amazing stuff. But the fact that he knew exactly where to make a stone wall to direct water to a reservoir, I don't think I, neither of us could have been able to suspect that, not in a million years. So, okay, so then let's talk about that, right? He's directing... Wait, 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 but, but before we talk about that, let me ask uh, some gentle person from this town for directions. <laughs> because otherwise, we're going to be running in circles for the next hour. <laughs> Roadblock by Chava. Roadblock by Chava. If you want to smell like a man who cuts wood, Roadblock by Chava. Chava. Roadblock. The fresh, fragrant pine notes of a Oaxacan forest. Roadblock. Chava. Roadblock by Chava. <laughs> My hands smell amazing, by the way. You don't put it on your neck. You put it on your hands. Roadblock by Chava. Available at fine stores around you or chavachavachava.com. So I want to talk about how he had mentioned, and I'm, I'm going to look for some support from you guys because I wasn't paying as much attention to it, but how he was talking about they were digging out the mud at the bottom of that reservoir to both make the reservoir deeper uh, on the one hand, but also on the other hand, in order to utilize that mud uh, in growing things because it's supposed to be the best soil for that. Did I get that right? Yeah, and that makes that makes complete sense. If you think about all the rainwater that's flowing down from high altitude down to that level where he's collecting the water, there's a huge amount of soil and with it nutrients that would collect, uh, which would then become amazing fertilizer uh, for uh, yeah the, for the farming 
the, that he was doing there, and no doubt that's a hugely important resource for the community as well. It did remind me of something that I'd seen in Arizona. So just before I came to meet you guys in Oaxaca, I was in Arizona and on the outskirts of Tucson, went to the Mission Garden. And there they were having, this was on Earth Day, and there they were showing off and telling the story of this narrow channel that they created in the garden that replicates a very ancient system of channeling water from springs or aquifers or rivers to uh, areas where people could farm. What's fascinating is that archaeologists in the desert have found the remains of these narrow channels oh. called Asequila, I think they're called. And the other next generation of this technology arrives with the Spanish one of the experts who was just telling this story had grown up in Sonora. He was saying that his childhood memory was playing in these narrow water channels that irrigated the fields in his community. The system was that you would maintain a section of the channel mm -hmm. for the, the, the section that irrigated your fields. And each year the community would get together and they would have to dig out this channel with the sediment that, that collected. Oh. Uh, and... This was back-breaking work because it's, this is heavy, muddy water that you would have to get down into the channel and then um, remove and put over to the side. But then his mum would tell him, go to the mud pile and bring some back because this is the fertilizer we need to grow some of the, the herbs, the plants around wow. the house. So I guess what, what um, Lalo's doing on a big scale is exactly what this ancient system was. And the system that the Spanish introduced had it been inspired or was a development on something the Romans had developed and then the Arabs. So this is really ancient technology and part of a big system of water, of fertilizer, and a way of life that revolves around water. And without water, nothing can happen. Right. Oh, and, and all of that, to me, also speaks to this concept that the things they do in these communities, and it's, you know, it's, it's, it's that, that broken record message of ours, but the things that they do in these communities that are so fascinating are things that we've been doing as a species for thousands of years. And they're continuing to do it, and we're just now starting to turn back on a larger scale towards those ways. Yeah, so that system, the I think there were two terms. So this guy who'd grown up in Sonora called it sequia, mm -hmm. and then the Spanish called it asequia. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, you know, this ingenious, as you say, these ingenious ways in which people have not only channeled water, but made really mm. efficient use of water. And here we are in the 21st century, and we're scratching our heads thinking, how are we going to survive and grow food in a in an era in which water is a really big problem and so maybe looking back at some of these systems and no doubt um you know having the the skills that people like lalo have of reading the landscape mm -hmm. where does water flow where can it gather where we can where can we collect it and then having the plants that can make most efficient use of water including agave as well as some, some of the other plants that I saw uh, in Arizona, tepary beans. Uh, so we need to not just be thinking about the technology, but also the biodiversity that works well with less water. Cool. Yeah. I love that. I love that as a conclusion. Java? Well, no, I just want to say that my favorite part of it was the love in Lalo's eyes when he picked up that soil. 
and show it to us, and he made us touch it and feel it and rub it against our faces. I thought order. he was going to taste it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> right? It, it, was, it was such care and such love yeah. for a piece of month. But here we are, we are so disconnected. Yes. Most of us are so disconnected yep. from the, to actually be there and look at the water and think this is life and that that's, that soil is fertilizer, that's food. I think that's our conclusion. We just needed that last, that last little push. And then we are extremely honored to have you here. Honestly, we don't deserve your presence. And oh, it's great see- to be on, the, on an agave road trip and in agave road trip. <laughs> and moving a roadblock that prevented an agave road trip. Cool. Well, that's a wrap for this issue, and we'll catch up with you guys next episode. Adios. This has been Agave Road Trip, the podcast that helps gringo bartenders learn about agave spirits. Your hosts are Lubank and Chava Periban. Sound engineering by Roy Sierra. Theme song performed by Gabriel Oliveira and Mark Rico. Sign up to become a road tripper and listen to more episodes at agaveroadtrip.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, please let us know. And if you hated it, recommend it to your enemies. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Lou is in charge of our social media. So if he happens to sound like an old man, forgive him. He is one. A Gabby Road Trip is a production of 10 Angry Pitbulls, Inc. A Gabby Road Trip is powered by Simplecast. Thank you for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Heritage Radio Network is food radio supported by you. For our freshest content, subscribe to our newsletter. To subscribe to the Heritage Radio Network newsletter, enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with Heritage Radio Network on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find Heritage Radio Network at facebook.com slash heritageradionetwork. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. Heritage Radio Network couldn't do that without support from listeners like you. Become a part of the food world's most innovative community today. Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please join the Heritage Radio Network family by becoming a member. To become a member of the Heritage Radio Network, click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Heritage Radio Network can become addictive. Programming you here on Heritage Radio Network can drive you to eat, drink, and listen to more programming on Heritage Radio Network. If it drives you to drink, please do not drink and drive. Drink responsibly, eat responsibly too, and listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly. To listen to Heritage Radio Network responsibly, wear protective earbuds. While wearing protective earbuds, do not drive or walk. Sit in a comfortable chair. If that comfortable chair has a hard seat, please remember to get up and stretch every 30 minutes. If you get up and stretch every 30 minutes, do not stretch beyond your abilities. Stay within your defined stretching capacity and consult a doctor who specializes in stretching. If you do not have a doctor, listen to all the shows on the Heritage Radio Network. There has to be at least one doctor among the Heritage Radio Network podcast hosts. Thanks for listening. Agave Road Trip out.